Um, in the near future, uh, technology is going to adapt to human beings. So they're going to start understanding a natural language and not only voice. So voice is part of it. And also Alexa and Google Home is, is one application. But obviously, when you call to the call center, then not necessarily a human being is going to answer the phone. Uh, so I said voice is one aspect, but also uh, texting and chatting and, and the strong belief that um, well, the, the way that humans are going to communicate with, interact with technology is going to completely uh, transform to natural language interfaces. So I think uh, that's what, what uh, drove me to pursue this space. So at least what changed in my view, and potentially it's a bit controversial, is that uh, virtual assistants are virtual. Uh, they're not humans, and hence they don't need to sound like a human being or they don't need to act like human being. They really need to help you uh, focus on achieving the goal that you want to achieve or to find the information that you want to find. So um, the, a change that at least um, I've been seeing is this focus around uh, goal completions rather than uh, sounding more uh, like a human being. Uh, I can tell you that, again, in healthcare, one of the most significant um, implementations that we've done, especially during 2021, was around automating uh, conversations to the call center around COVID-19. Um, so from, you know, um, explaining people what is this new disease, <laughs> that that's even back in 2020, uh, to how they can protect themselves or what are the symptoms. Um, and in 2021, it was a lot about uh, vaccinations eligibility. Mm -hmm. So new information that always came up um, and a lot of patients or, or people in the world had a lot of questions about them, uh, questions that these big health networks couldn't answer just because of staffing issues. And we were able to automate uh, in, in, in one implementation, 85% of those interactions uh, using the virtual assistant. Um, and, and that led to obviously like significant uh, results, both for the business and also for the patients that were looking for this information. So, so let me tell you a story that also helped me like uh, um, hone on, on, on the idea of conversational AI. So I told you we came to the States. Uh, so it was me and my family. Uh, back then we have uh, one kid at the age of three, uh, Bao, my oldest son. And uh, we went on a, on a road trip. And in the car, and then Bao, from his back seat, uh, shouted, "Alexa, play wheels on the bus." And and I was like, "What are you doing?" Because um, I'm like, for for this kid, he doesn't know what the radio is. For this kid, he just says or asks for a song, and and the song plays automatically. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. 20 Minute Leaders is a proud supporter of Make-A-Wish Israel and Tech2Peace, and is in proud collaboration with Secret Chord Ventures, J Ventures, Riverside FM, Fusion VC, Birthright Excel, J Impact, Leap, Google for Startups, and Hippo, and in media partnership with SeaTech. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. This episode is about conversational AI, and I'm with Israel Prush. Israel founded Hiro in 2018 with the goal of simplifying digital interactions for patients by enabling providers and payers to deploy conversational AI interfaces at scale. 
Since then, he has raised over $15 million towards bringing that vision to life, building a team of 56 people in New York, California, and Tel Aviv, who serve dozens of leading healthcare networks, including Wheel Cornell Medicine, Mercy Health, and Novant Health. Before building Hyro, Israel accumulated over 15 years of experience in their emerging technology space, including Intel. Starting out as a software developer, Israel quickly moved up the ladder to manage engineering and product teams in various Israeli startups and eventually ascending to head of product at Zikit, a computer vision company which was recently acquired by Walmart. Israel began his career in 8200 IDF's elite technology unit and holds an MBA from Cornell University and a BSc in computer science and statistics from Tel Aviv University. Four years ago, you set out to look at conversational AI and the way that organizations and enterprises interact in two-way conversations with anyone, really. What happened there? Why, why, what is it about conversational AI that, that sort of sparked your curiosity? You an MBA, you're an engineer by profession. What, what, what was it? Yeah, so I think uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a long story, but I'll try to make it as short as possible. So throughout my career, from 8200 to being in a bunch of startups, uh, I was fascinated with uh, what's uh, known today as uh, HCI, so human-computer interaction. Um, and I can tell you that um, in some of my previous roles, I was a software engineer and product manager trying to understand how we humans communicate with technology and with screens and mobile applications and website and so on and so forth. Um, and then, as you said, I moved to the States to get my MBA. Um, and, and, you know, during this transition, I got exposed uh, to Alexa and Google Home that was back in 2017. So uh, this all uh, nice voice um, assistant that uh, found uh, the way to our homes, basically. Uh, so I got fascinated by them, got very excited, yeah. almost immediately very disappointed, I would say, with the lack of sophisticated use cases that they can solve. Uh, but I became obsessed uh, with this notion uh, that, um, unlike in the past, where we needed to adapt ourselves to communicate with technology, so to become familiar with websites and structures of websites and mobile applications, and, and all of and various gestures, you know, like pinching and tapping. Um, in the near future, uh, technology is going to adapt to human beings. So they're going to start understanding a natural language and not only voice. So voice is part of it. And also Alexa and Google Home is, is one application. But obviously when you call to the call center, then not necessarily a human being is going to answer the phone. Uh, so I said voice is one aspect, but also uh, texting and chatting and, and the strong belief that um, well, the, the way that humans are going to communicate with, interact with technology is going to completely uh, transform to natural language interfaces. So I think uh, that's what, what uh, drove me to pursue this space. And uh, luckily for me, I met uh, my co-founder uh, there at Cornell Tech. Uh, he did his master's in computer science, and we actually met in the machine learning class, uh, nothing related to the MBA, uh, just something that I was able to take uh, because of my background, and, and that's how we started Hyro. Incredible. And so as you're, now you're, you're four years into, right, a little bit more than four years into Hyro. Where, where are you today in terms of your, in your relationship with conversational AI? Has this understanding changed? Has your passion changed throughout the last four years as you've been diving more and more into it? 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, uh, absolutely. So I think that uh, one of the main changes that at least uh, I see on myself is how practical I'm trying to be uh, when it comes to what type of problems uh, conversational AI is trying uh, to help us with, uh, to help the human with. So there are a lot of different, uh, you know, companies in the world that are tackling uh, various aspects of conversational AI. Uh, so some of them, for example, uh, tackle the speech recognition or the speech to text uh, type of aspect. While many people think that this is almost a solved problem, it's actually really far uh, from it. And, and we see it, especially again, when we try to automate conversations in the call center, but that's not where we focus. We focus on the natural language understanding part, on the NLU part. Um, and, and for that, we're trying to become very much uh, goal oriented. So I would say that uh, something that changed dramatically, at least in my view, is that virtual assistants are virtual. They are not a humans, right? So um, at least uh, you're probably familiar with a bunch of uh, um, of, of um, implementations, such as maybe Google Duplex, which has the, this nice demo of a human-like type of interaction, including uh, uh, pauses like mm-hmm, when thinking. So at least what changed in my view, and potentially it's a bit controversial, is that uh, virtual assistants are virtual. Uh, they're not humans, and hence they don't need to sound like a human being or they don't need to act like human being. They really need to help you uh, focus on achieving the goal that you want to achieve or to find the information that you want to find. So um, the, a change that at least um, I've been seeing is this focus around uh, goal completions rather than uh, sounding more uh, like a human being. Now, from from the industry perspective, what 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 is is the impact of conversational AI in your in your eyes as we're developing these solutions? So, where you know why is this something that companies should should adopt or should even think about taking today in in twenty twenty two? Yeah, so I think that uh, so Hyro operates in in multiple verticals, but the two main ones today. Uh, healthcare and uh, real estate. And in healthcare, especially with uh, COVID-19 in the past two years, I think that if they realize uh, their contact center problem, or at least like it become uh, much more clear to them, um, so they were getting 3x the volume, sometimes even 10x the volume of calls that they were getting beforehand, and they simply couldn't answer um, all of their calls. And now you as a consumer uh, probably are familiar with uh, long waiting times uh, that is something that, you know, in this uh, digital world should be belong to the past. Um, everyone wants to get the information as fast as possible, as immediate as possible, uh, without waiting for an agent online uh, 24-7 from everywhere, even like while texting. So I think that uh, both like the uh, the new expectations by, by consumers, by patients, as well as uh, the operational inefficiencies of these organizations on the contact center that drove a lot of them to seek for conversational AI solutions, uh, mostly to automate a lot of these interactions and become uh, more operational efficient. Uh, I can tell you that, again, in healthcare, one of the most significant um, implementations that we've done, especially during 2021, was around automating uh, conversations to the call center around COVID-19. So. From, you know, 
um, explaining people what is this new disease <laughs> that's even back in 2020 uh, to how they can protect themselves or what are the symptoms. Um, and in 2021, it was a lot about uh, vaccinations eligibility. Mm -hmm. So new information that always came up um, and a lot of patients or, or people in the world had a lot of questions about them, uh, questions that these big health networks couldn't answer just because of staffing issues. And we were able to automate uh, in, in, in one implementation, 85% of those interactions uh, using the virtual assistant. Um, and, and that led to obviously like significant uh, results, both for the business and also for the patients that were looking for this information. Well, and from the consumer's perspective, how do you see people not responding to conversational AI, chatbots, virtual assistants? What, what's been, you know, do they treat it as a human? Do they, you know, are they playful with it? Do they trust it? Yeah. So in 2022, you know, the initial reaction is agent, agent. Right. This is the initial reaction. And, and for a good uh, reason, you know, like until now, uh, most uh, chatbots, voice assistants kind of sucked um, to, to, to be completely honest. And that's what we're trying to change. Um, however, however, uh, there are organizations today that uh, will not give you access to a live agent without, for example, identifying you first and, and, and understanding your status. So if you call Bank of America, there's no way you're going to get to an agent uh, unless you uh, give uh, uh, information about yourself and, and they actually identify you as a member and, and only then you might get to an agent. And, sure. and that's out of an actual need, right? So if you want to talk with the bank and you don't want to get there physically, you will talk with this virtual assistant, whether you like it or not. Um, I can, uh, but, but this is maybe the extreme case. Um, let's uh, take uh, another case in, re in the real estate uh, market. So let's say you found an apartment that you really like or a property or community that you really want to check out. And, and you know, it's a crazy market. So you want to schedule a tour as fast as possible, but you saw it at 10 p.m. What would you prefer? You would prefer to wait for 8 a.m. the next morning or talk with this virtual assistant that might not understand you as well as a human being. Sure. But if it's good enough, it will be, it will be able to actually get your details and schedule a tool for you for the next day immediately. So I think it really right. depends on what you're trying to achieve and what are uh, your um, other options. Yeah. But obviously technology is progressing, right? We've seen the, the recent advancements of large language models in, uh, and uh, I'm personally uh, been following Google Duplex uh, as mm -hmm. a fan for, for since its inception. Well, we will get to an inflection point where you're talking to an agent and you're not sure whether it's a real person or if it's a virtual agent. How does the world change at that moment? So obviously you're going to be at that intersection because you will be leveraging that, that cutting edge technology and you're already implemented it with all of these enterprises and these, right? So, so you will be the enabler who's uh, sort of making it happen. How, how, are, how, is it, how are things changing, if at all? You know, I think that uh, like uh, a lot of different areas where technology advancements uh, lead to us uh, human beings having more time to do some more complex tasks because we don't need to focus on things that now we get for free. So let, let, let's take a Waze as an example or like GPS as an example. Once, at least I remember myself going on a trip, on a road trip with a map, memorizing uh, routes and then and, and, and figuring out what's the best way to get to somewhere, um, that's something that they don't need to do anymore. 
that's it. Like, period. It's, it's in my phone. I, I tap it. I don't think about it. Um, and, and now I have uh, one more hour to maybe plan like a, a nice game with the kids, right? Uh, because I don't need to plan this uh, trip. So why do I give you this uh, analogy? Uh, because, uh, for example, on the, on the customer success or customer support type of teams, um, instead of ans- a- a- answering like the same, uh, I would say, uh, repeating easy questions that people can find online, like what's your opening hours and how can I get there and do you have a parking spot <clears throat> and, and even like scheduling appointments. So, uh, so I gave the example of scheduling a tour with, uh, with a property that you like. Humans won't need to do that. And, and that will leave them a lot of time to focus on things that computers will have hard time to accomplish. So for example, uh, you know, talking about the mischarge, right? Like that's something that even an agent will take a lot of time to realize whether like this complaint is actually justified or not and they will need to open a ticket and whatnot so what what i believe will happen is that um, especially in these uh, contact centers for support and success uh, the human agents will be tasked and focused on on a much more complex set of tasks and will and um, and will have much more time to deal with uh, humans whereas the virtual assistants will take the more uh, mandated repetitive tests. And now I can uh, have a lot of like, you know, interesting uh, discussions around, well, what happens when virtual assistants talk with virtual assistants? Actually, our virtual assistants a couple of times talked with the Google duplex assistants. And that was quite funny. Uh, so a lot of possibilities in this new world. Um, and, and also this be a lot of new challenges. It's interesting because you, you, what you were mentioning before about ways and you were basically describing this idea of adaptability, right? That, that we humans, we will adapt. And, you know, we, you know, you probably, when you were using a map, it was very hard to conceive of a world where you're definitely not going to need to, to do a, to, to spend any of that time there. You know, I'm thinking for myself, I never used the map, right? I grew into a world. So I'm thinking even for this new generation, for them, talking to a real agent would be almost silly. What do you mean we had to speak to physical people to, to, to get care of our tasks and to give us information that an algorithm can find, right? So, so, so let me tell you a story that also helped me like uh, um, hone on, on, on the idea of conversational AI. So I told you we came to the States, uh, so it was me and my family. Uh, back then we have uh, uh, one kid at the age of three, uh, Bao, my oldest son. And uh, we went on a, on a road trip um, in the car. And then Bao, from his back seat, uh, shouted, um, Alexa, play wheels on the bus. And, and I was like, what are you doing? Because, um, I'm like, for, for this kid, he doesn't know what the radio is. For this kid, he just says or asks for a song and, and the song plays automatically. And he doesn't, doesn't even care. Nodding, like, he doesn't care that it's a physical device that, that his dad bought at Best Buy for, for all he knows. He says to the world, Alexa, play a song and it plays. Correct. Correct. Exactly. And I think that we talked about like the demands of, of uh, the consumers constantly changing. So thinking about the next generation, it, it's really crazy uh, to, to think about um, their expectations from technology and from, uh, again, the technology to be able to understand them and not the other way around. Incredible. I love it. And so today with Hyro, tell me a little bit about, you know, where, where you find, where you, where you fit in as the CEO. 
So not necessarily where our high row is, but but where is Israel in this whole thinking process? What what are you most excited about today? Uh, yeah, I think that one, I'm very much excited when things happen in the company without me knowing it. So, uh, you know, the company at the stage of like three people, 10 people, 20 people, you know everything. You're in the details in, in, in each and every one of uh, the, 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 the epics and, and, and Jira tasks and, and customers. And, and today we have an executive teams and we have team leaders and we have a lot of super talented people that are just advancing the company forward. And, and, and that really excites me. And I think that uh, me as a CEO in this company, I, I care about like three main things. One is uh, vision alignment. So, and, and, and I'm constantly learning how hard it is to align everyone on the same vision and how many times you need to repeat it and make sure that like what's in, in, in this head of, of mine uh, that is based on, you know, experience from the past four years or so um, gets to everyone in the company. Um, so we, you know, we move together towards like this very clear path versus like everyone is pulling uh, to, to, to a different direction. So that's a, that's a one thing that I'm really spending a lot of my time on. Uh, the second thing is making sure that we have amazing people in the company. Uh, and that means uh, both to get them on board and then to create the culture to actually make sure that they're constantly, you know, challenged professionally and have a good time, you know, personally. Uh, obviously, I'm not doing it alone, but I think that, uh, I don't know if culture, you know, uh, we're a less than a 60 people team. So uh, culture is a very big word for me uh, still. But uh, maybe creating this DNA of like similar people that are enjoying working together and that are constantly feeling challenged professionally. And, and finally, you know, the, 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 uh, the third thing that I'm doing as a CEO in this company uh, is making sure that the company has money. So right. it's, it's both on the fundraising front, but also uh, being strategic with customers and, and controlling the budget. And so I, I'm looking to understand, you know, where, you know, if you, you know, if before you go to sleep or when you wake up, you know, when your mind wanders, does it wander more towards the, the technology or the consumer behavior shift that you're creating? Does it go more towards the health of the company and the growth of the company? Where, where is Israel in this whole eco chamber now? And I'm sure it's all of it, but, but I'm wondering, you know, in the really core of Israel, where, where does your mind go? Right. So obviously, you know, in, in, in the last couple of uh, weeks, I w want to say we are, we are going into a completely different market, right? Like a downturn, a potential recession. Uh, so a lot of my mind is dedicated to uh, how do we stay alive while our competitors are going to die? Um, and, and not only to stay alive, but how we can actually uh, seize this opportunity when a lot of them die uh, to capture a larger market share. Um, so it's uh, that's uh, where my head's at, and and obviously that's also reflect on on the fact that today I'm I'm much more go to market driven and execution driven, right? Uh, however, I think that um, it is as you said all connected. So um, in order to you know capture a, a large market share, especially in this market, you need to have some sort of a, an unfair advantage, and a lot of the time you know from uh, companies that come from Israel, uh, it comes from the technology aspect. So building a, a very unique technology that that allows you to get this 
unfair advantage but I, I constantly think about how it serves the business like how can I prove that this unfair technology um, serves the business purposes hence we are executing much faster we are capturing more market share uh, than others and so on uh, so I don't know if it fully answers your answer uh, your question but uh, I, I, I definitely feel that I'm a little bit better inside your head and uh, and, and I really enjoyed this episode as well 20 minutes go by fast, but uh, I, I really love the work that you're doing with conversational AI and thinking about consumer behavior and, and market shifts. And uh, it can't be easy being the CEO of a 60-person company in, in today's world. And you have to both deal with the emerging technologies and, and go-to-market strategies and educating the market while keeping track with what's happening in the most cutting-edge research. At the same time, you have to deal with a market that is basically telling you that it's complete opposite of what it was uh, four months ago. And so uh, an right. interesting challenge. And, and I look forward to seeing how you deal with both of these aspects. And so thank you very much for being here. Thank you, Michael, for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you.